We're looking at Psalm 121 this morning. I made the mistake once in my life, and I promised myself I won't make it again. Somebody asked me that question that people ask here in Colorado. Do you like to hike? I made the mistake of saying, yeah, I'd go on a hike with you. I asked the person, is it dangerous? They said, no, it's not dangerous. We're going to take wide paths. Everything's going to be fine. Our kids, we just got to Colorado at the time, so our kids were a lot younger. Uh, Abigail was really small, and the rest of them were small. And, um, and so we head up on this, on this trail. We drive. It takes, I don't know how long it took us to get to where we were going to go to start hiking. That bothered me the first thing. And then the, the second thing is we get to the hiking place and we start going. And the trail that started out nice wasn't always nice. It got smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where we were going on this one part with the rock. I'm looking at Abigail I don't want to look down. We're going down. I said, what in the world did we say yes to? We get up to where we need to get up to. I thought that was the hard part. Nobody told me it was hard going down too. Going down the same path, same thing, same. The kids probably loved it. My heart was beating a thousand. We got down to the bottom of that. We got into the car and I said to myself, never again, never again. There are some of you, and this is okay, this is not sin, who want to hike up or have hiked up to Pike's Peak. Anybody do that here? Anybody hike up to Pike's Peak? Why? (laughs) God has provided the Cog Railroad, amen? You get on it and you go up. You don't have to hike the thing. But people want to do it. Some people want to do the incline. How many have done the incline there? Same question. Why? (laughs) Just want to show how good a shape you're in and whatever you want to do. You want to go see the Lord. Maybe that's it. And you're ready to see God. So you go up the incline. Listen, hikes are scary in Colorado. I'll tell you why. Not only because of the altitude and the different things that as you're going up, the rocks on the floor and, you know, different things that could happen to you. Uh, There's animals in Colorado. You ever think of those? Um, bears in Colorado, you know, and people say, well, they're scaredy cats. Don't worry. Just yell and they'll run away. I'm not trying that. I'm sorry. I'm not. He'll like my Italian accent. He'll come after me. I don't know. Why. I'm not messing with bears. Maybe he likes Italian food. Maybe he'll come after me, you know, so I'm, I don't want to mess with that stuff. I'm worried about that stuff. So I worry about things. And then I hear this. The youth are going on a hike. And my mind starts racing. Where are they going? Is it high? Are there cliffs? Are there animals? Is it dangerous? Where are they going? And then I get to, we drove them up to where they were going to go. And then Trish looked at me and says, do you want to come with us? No. (laughs) We're going to go down and we're going to go pray for you guys over in the thing. We are not going with you guys, but we'll be praying for you, but we're not going with you. And all throughout the hike, I'm thinking, did somebody fall? They go into the waterfall? What if they hit their head and they drown? What's going to go on? And I'm thinking of all these things. What, you never think about these things? I'm thinking of all these things. I'm all worried. 
And you know why? Because we live that way. Let's be honest with one another. We all live with fears and worries. And let's be honest with each other this morning. We are all on a hike. And it's not a two-mile hike. We are on a hike to God and to heaven. And in that hike, let me tell you, there are trails and there are pitfalls and there are winding and there are dangers that we can't even imagine. And things that can happen to us on this hike that we wouldn't wish on our worst enemy. But they're there. And Satan knows we have these, these things in our mind and these fears and he likes to escalate the fears. And so instead of just worrying about our kids going on a hike, I'm worried about them hitting their head, drowning, and that's it. I'm worried about all kinds of things that can happen because Satan knows our worries and our fears. He likes to intimidate us, torment us, and use those things in our lives. And that's why I love this psalm. Because if anyone knew fear, it was the Israelites. Three times a year they would have to travel many miles to, to Jerusalem to worship God. And, and, during that, and, and, and along that path, there was a lot of danger. A lot of danger. There were thieves waiting for him to rob him. There was the hot sun that they had to deal with. They had to deal sometimes with the cold nights. They had to deal with animals that were on the path as well that could eat them and kill them. And there was all kinds of things that they had to deal with. Sometimes they all made it. Sometimes some of them didn't make it. And they knew that. And so knowing this and going on this trail, what did they do in verse 21, in Psalm 121? What did they do? They sing to God. This is amazing. This is a song. By the way, if you want to sing it, you can sing this song, but let me give you the stanzas of the song before you sing it out of whack. It's verses 1 and 2 is the first stanza. Verse 3 and 4 is the second. Can you see the pattern? Verse 5 and 6 is the third. And verse 7 and 8 is the what? The fourth. So when they sang this, they sang it in stanzas and they sang the song to God. And we're going to study it out because Satan loves to use our fears and loves, and, and we need to realize this, that we are on a dangerous hike and we have dangers around us. We can be hit with diseases. We can be hit with death. We have danger all around us. So how do we live our lives? Look at verse 1. This is beautiful. The first thing we need to do is to remember how vulnerable we really are. Watch this. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. The, the lifting of eyes, literally in the Hebrew, is a longing. He is longing here. There's anticipation. It's the same phrase used when Potiphar's wife looked at Joseph and saw how handsome he was and said she wanted to be with him. She looked at him. She longed for him. He's looking up at the mountains and, and, and what is he? he? He's got this anxiety and this anticipation. Notice what he says in verse 1. Where shall my help come? In other words, he's saying this. I am very vulnerable. I am on a dangerous path. Where is the divine intervention going to come from? Who is going to help me during this time? Let me just say this. We need to realize something before we even move on here. We need to realize how weak we really are. Yes. 
Until we do, we will never depend upon God like he wants us to. You said, Jeremy, how do I show God that I am weak every day of my life? You ready for this? You show God you're weak every day of your life as you wake up in the morning and you open up the scriptures. And you say to God, I am weak. I need to hear from you. I need you. We show God we're weak by praying to Him. We show God we're weak by fellowshipping with other believers and, and needing that strength. We are weak. And what He's saying in verse 1, He's saying this, I am heading on a dangerous path. I am going down a dangerous road. Where does my help come from? I am weak. I need God to intervene in my life. What a wonderful, wonderful prayer to God and song to God. We need to realize that we try to show others that we're strong. We do everything we can to protect ourselves. We even put signs up in our outside of our houses. Make my day. You come in. You watch what happens to you. Listen, we're weak. No matter how strong we think we are, we are weak people. And he says to God, I look up with anxiety and anticipation. I'm going to worship God. Where does my help come from? Where does, where's my help? Verse 2, he figures it out. He says this, My help comes from who? Now don't miss this. Remember last week? Everyone remembers last week, amen? You remember last week when we talked about the difference between L-O-R-D and capital L-O-R-D? There's a difference in the Bible. When we see lowercase L-O-R-D, uh, 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 capital L and then lowercase O-R-D, he's talking about Adonai, he's talking about the Lord is master. When he uses the word L-O-R-D and capitalized, that's the word Yahweh in the Bible. That's the covenant God. That's the one when Moses says, so what's your name? So I can tell people. He says, I am who I what? I am. I'm Yahweh. I'm the covenant God. I am the God who promised to take care of you. He says, my help comes from the God of the covenant. The one who promised he would take care of me. But not only that, he doesn't stop there. He says, who made heaven and earth. Now he goes to the God of creation, not only the God of covenant. Now, I never realized this before studying this passage out more. Why he uses the words heaven and earth, who made the heaven and earth. Do you know how many times that's in the Bible? Do you know how often people pray that? And Nehemiah, Nehemiah prayed to God. He said to God, you are the God who made the heaven and the earth. Hezekiah prayed to God. He said, God, you are the God who made the heaven and the earth. You say, why are they praying this? Well, I want to show you. Look at Acts chapter 4. Watch this. This is amazing. Acts chapter 4. Even the early church, they used this phrase. This is beautiful. I never picked it up. Until I was studying this out more. Why do they do this? Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 24. After they've been threatened and they shouldn't be speaking and they want to speak the name of Christ, look what they say to God. Look how they pray to God. This is amazing. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. And when they heard this, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said this, O Lord, it is you who did what? Made what? 
You sound convinced on that one? <laughs> Who made heaven and earth. Why is he saying this? Why is the church praying this? Why are they reminding God that he made the heaven and the earth? Well, going back to Psalm 121, I'll tell you why. This isn't to battle people who believe in evolution and say, look, God has made the heaven and earth. Here's what he's saying here to God. He's saying, I believe, I, my help, my divine intervention, I believe I'm weak, but I see beyond that weakness to a powerful God who promises to take care of me. And not only that, the God of all creation. In other words, he points to creation to say this, all things God created and all things God can control. We don't think about that. We're worried about somebody hitting their head and drowning. What we don't think about is that there's a God who can control. Or as one person put it that really helps my heart whenever I'm going through something, that nothing can ever come into my life unless it passes first through God and then through me. Think about that. The next time you hear those words you don't want to hear. The next time you hear about a family member who's struggling. It can't pass to your life unless it passed first through the throne. And what he's saying by calling God the God of creator, he's saying, he's saying, God, you are the one that created all things. You are the one that can control all things. I rest in your control. You are the God who made heaven and earth. Boy, the Old Testament saints, they prayed it. The, new, the early church, they prayed it. They knew how to pray to God. They came before God and they said, God, you created heaven, earth, and you are the one in control. Now, what can God control? Look at this here. This is beautiful. In verses 3 through 8, it explains what God is able to do. And this is so important for us to understand. In verses 3 through 8, we see a word that repeats itself six times. Do you see it? It repeats itself six times. It's the word, starts with a K. Keeps. Now I want to teach you a Hebrew word. Alright, you guys can learn this Hebrew word. It's not that hard. But it's going to require you spitting on your neighbor, okay? That's alright. Whenever you learn Hebrew, remember they speak from down here. Yeah, that's, you know, we do too. We speak English like that. Spanish, they speak from up here. So we sound a lot of gargled when we speak Spanish because we speak it from down here in the, in the throat here. But when they speak Spanish, it's beautiful. It just comes out of the lips and the, and the mouth. I don't know how they do it. But Hebrew, you spit, you spit on people. Hebrew, you ready for this Hebrew word? Shamar. Say it. Shamar. I didn't see the spit. Shamar. Shamar. There it is. I love that word. It means to keep, to guard to protect, to keep safe. He's going to mention this here, that not only are we vulnerable, but there is a God who is able to keep us. He is more powerful than we think. And Shema, he's able to keep us from several things here, as we see here in this passage. In verse 3, I, I love this verse. He is able to keep our foot from what? Slipping. You see that there? That's your verse, Rick. All right. I hear about Rick falling every time I, I go away. You're not allowed to fall. Next time I go away, you're not allowed to fall. You got to promise me that you won't fall. Well, it's not saying that. 
It's not saying that we will never fall. In fact, there's oftentimes we will stub a toe. How many of you like doing that? And trip and fall. Sometimes your Christianity doesn't come out when you stub a toe. Amen. I knew I'd get an amen in the front row here. But here's what he's saying. When he says he will not allow your foot to, to, to slip, he's saying that when we do fall, it's not a fatal spiritual fall. In fact, look at me a few, few verses before in Psalm 37 for a moment here. Psalm 37 for a moment. Verse 23. This is an amazing verse. Look at these two verses. Psalm 37 verses 23 to 24. The steps of a man are established by who? The Lord. Do you see it? Capital L-O-R-D. Yahweh. The covenant God. And he delights in his way. Now verse 24 is important. When he falls. He doesn't say if he falls. When he falls. We will fall. We will fall spiritually. We will fall physically. We fall. It happens. Notice what he says here. When he falls, he will not be what? Curled headlong. It's not over. Praise God. Here's why. Because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. So here's what he's saying. Going back to Psalm 121, he's saying this. He's saying God is there when we slip. God is there and he's not going to let us stay there. You say, how do you know that God will not let us stay there when we slip? And we often slip. We slip many times in our life. How does God not let us stay there? Look what it says in the verse. He who keeps you will not what? Slumber. You can put in quotation marks there. Doze off. Our God never dozes off. He's not like people at Widefield on Sunday mornings. Who listen for a while. And then it's getting a little bit warmer in here. And the eyes are getting a little bit more heavy. And the head starts to go down a little bit. And then you're... <laughs> Listen, let me just tell you. You're not the first to doze off when I preach. And you won't be the last to doze off. But I am reminded of the pastor who got mad when people slept on him. And he yelled at one. He said to him, hey, hey, you see that person sleeping over there? Wake him up. Wake him up. And the person looked at him and said, Pastor, you're the one that put him to sleep. You wake him up. <laughs> God never dozes off. He never sleeps. A good watchman stays awake. We don't want the safety team outside taking a nap under the tree during the message and during the sermon. We need them awake. We need them moving around. We need them, we need them there. What kind of a safety team would we have if we walked out and said, oh, thank you for protecting. Oh, you're out. We need you up. God is always up. He's always alert. He's not in heaven looking down at us. Oh, so-and-so's praying. No, he's not. He never sleeps. He never dozes off slumber. You say, show me that again. Look at verse 4. He mentions it again. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither, neither slumber nor sleep. We are safe.
Because we have a God who is always watching, he says here. We can't always watch. We have our alarm. We have things in our house. We got the cameras. We got other things if they come into our house. I won't mention what they are. I don't know if they would do anything, though. Our dogs are not the best in the world. But anyway, <laughs> you thought I was talking about something else. But let me tell you what happened. Here we are getting all the stuff. Katie and I go out. Family goes out. Abigail and Joshua left in the house by themselves. And here comes this kid. I don't know how old he was. Thinking that our house was his house. Opens up the screen door and tries to get into our door. Starts shaking it. Trying to get in. Can't figure out why he can't get in. He's on the camera. We don't see him. We don't know this is happening. God does. God's watching. This kid gets on the phone, calls his mom. Mom, open up the door. I'm here. He doesn't even know where he is. You say, well, that was probably nothing. He made a mistake. A couple of weeks later, I come out of the house. There's cops everywhere right next door. The, next, the two doors down. There's a kid sitting there. I don't know if it was the same kid. Probably not. There's a kid sitting there with a basket of stuff. What he was doing, who knows? Listen, we are never safe, ever, here on this earth, physically. Think about that for a moment. We think we are. We do the best we can. But we have a God that doesn't sleep or slumber. And watch what else it says here. Not only do we have a God that never sleeps or slumbers, but notice here in verse 5 and 6, he is our keeper. He is our shade on your right hand. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying our God is closer to us than anyone else. There is no one closer to us than God. He is right there like he's at our right hand. And there's some dangers in life like the sun. How many of you like the sun? We love the sun, don't we? Praise God for the sun. Especially after winter. We can't wait for the sun. I want the sun. We, we love the sun. People want to go back to Florida because of the sun. They love it. Watch out with the Colorado sun. It will mess you up. I learned that the hard way. After a cold, long winter, finally the sun came out. And we were at a baseball game. I roll up my sleeves. I got my, I got my legs. I got it rolled up. I roll, I'm sitting there under the sun. I'm going to get a nice suntan. That night, I'm burnt everywhere. It messed me up. The sun will mess you up. Notice what he says here. The Lord is like a shade on your right hand. The sun will not what? Military terms. Smite you by the day. You got to be careful. Heat stroke, all kinds of things. People can even die if they stay out exposed too much. But he's saying God is so close to you, he'll take care of you during the day. What about the nighttime? The moon. Are you ready for this? Do you know the Latin word for moon? Anybody know it? That's with an L. Luna. Where we get our English word lunatic. Now watch this. Some people believed back then that a full moon could cause somebody to go crazy. It would drive them crazy. And here's what he's saying here in this. He's saying, look, the sun may smite you, it will not smite you by day, and the moon is not going to bother you at night. 
God's got you during the day and God's got you during the night. The Lord doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. And He's right there with you at all times. But He doesn't stop there. This verse 7 is amazing. He said, The Lord will protect you from what? Now watch out with this verse. Because when COVID hit, some pastors would get into the pulpit and they would say, you're worried about COVID? Don't worry about COVID. We're believers. We're okay. God's going to protect us. We're covered by the blood of Jesus. And there was a famous one out in Virginia, I think it was, that was all over the news. God won't mess with us. We're Christians. We're believers. God, he won't mess. The COVID will never hit us. And that guy died of COVID. What a testimony. This verse says God will protect us from all evil. It doesn't say some. So some people look at this and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's evil that comes into my life. I got friends that got sick and died. I struggle every day of my life. There's evil that comes all the time in my life. What is this verse saying? Well, that's a great question. So let me answer it with another question. Let me give you another verse to think about. <laughs> this is amazing. Jesus, when he's talking to his disciples in Luke 21, he says this, you will be delivered up. And he talks about how parents will deliver you up and family members will deliver you up and you will go and you will die, he says. And this is what he says, but not a hair on your head will perish. Wait a minute. You will die but not a hair on your head will perish? Something's not right here. How do you die and not a hair on your head perish? Well, here's what he's saying. And this is what I love when people ask me these kind of questions. Pastor, what does it mean all evil? Because I struggle with evil. What does it mean that Jesus said you will die, but not a hair on your head will perish? I love doing this. Ready for it? Keep reading. Keep reading the verse. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep what? Your soul. Because here's the reality of life. Evil can and will hit us. Satan can make life miserable. For some for days, some for weeks, some for months, some for years, some for decades. But one thing evil can never do is touch our soul. We are protected by God. We are kept safe in the hand of God. I'll never forget when, when, when um, Elizabeth Elliot, when they interviewed her after Jim Elliot died for sharing the gospel and the news came up and said, I thought you prayed to, that God would protect him and, and that they would be safe. And she responded, he is safe. He's safe right now from all sin and harm. You see, we are safe in the hands of God. Yes. This came to me about 20-something years ago. Back then, I was young, eye candy. Um, not one amen, not even from Katie. It's amazing when you go from eye candy to a sour ball. But anyway, uh, and God called me to the mission field. 
And Katie wasn't even in my life. And I remember the burning passion in my heart. I'm going to Argentina. I'm going to go preach Jesus. There's nothing going to stop me. I can't wait to go and start churches. I'm going to, I'm going to go and preach Christ. And then I meet Katie. And beautiful, beautiful, um, inside and out. And I'm starting to worry about my call now. Am I really called to Argentina? Because now I got a beautiful wife. And it's one thing to call me God, but you wouldn't call me and my wife. I mean, that's kind of hard, you know, to bring her down to that dangerous situation. And then, without notice and without even any warning, Ellie decides to intrude our lives. Doesn't even let us have one year anniversary without her being there. She had to celebrate it with us. She's in the belly. So now I got this beautiful wife. I got Ellie in the belly. And I'm struggling. That rhymes, by the way. Isn't that beautiful? Ellie in the belly. Not my belly. Katie's belly. And, and I'm saying to God, God, how in the world could you want me to take my family to a place that is as dangerous as I want to go? It's one thing to call me. It's another thing to call the ones that I love with me and put them in that situation. And this is God's timing. We go to this family camp in Sheraton, Iowa. And the guy invites, the pastor at the time, invites this missionary from Papua New Guinea. And if you've ever read his story, he's got an amazing story. It's called The Pineapple Story. And in Papua New Guinea, when he went, everyone was naked. And listen, everyone was naked and he sold clothing to them. And these people would come in with shirts on trying to sell him clothing. And he'd say, wait a minute, I'm the only one on the island that sells clothing. That's my shirt. You robbed my shirt. And he was so mad at the people. He got so mad for seven years. He, he grew pineapples and he got so mad. He put, he put like barbed wire and all kinds of things around so they wouldn't touch his pineapples. And he hated the people. And finally, after seven years, God got a hold of his heart and he said, you know what? I got to give God the pineapples. The people can rob them if they want. It's God's pineapple. You can do what you want. And people started to get saved. And he would go out and evangelize to these people. Now watch this. This is where it got me. He said, before I would go out and evangelize on this demon-possessed island where everyone's naked, this guy with a machete... A crazy lunatic with a machete would ask me if he could come with me to protect me. So here I was going down this dangerous island, going out witnessing the people, and here's a guy, whack, whack, whack. Here's a guy with a machete that nobody would go near protecting me on this island. And then he said this, if God can use a lunatic with a machete on a demon-possessed island to protect me, don't you think God can protect you? Ah, holy cow. And that was the night I got on my knees and I said, Lord, here's my life, my wife, my kid, everything is yours. Because what's the worst that can happen to us? Somebody kills us and we go to heaven? Our souls are protected. That's why Jesus says, don't you dare fear the person that can kill body. You fear him that can kill both body and soul. You say, how long can the Lord protect me? Look at this, verse 8. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in. 
This is all your steps, all the affairs of life, everything that pertains to this life, he will protect. Our souls are safe in his hands. From when? From now, this time, and how long? Forever until we're in his presence. You know why I love this psalm? Because it's a good reminder just how vulnerable we are. None of us knows if we go out here and a drunk driver is going to come and cross the lane and hit us. Or if a madman is going to go into the place that we're eating and start shooting at us. Or if a disease is going to come into our lives. No one knows the twists and turns of this life. But instead of looking at how vulnerable we are, we need to look at how powerful our God is. You see, fear worries about that, but faith sees the God who created the mountains and says, Lord, you are the covenant God. You are the creator. You are the one in control. And although I may be touched by evil on this earth, my soul is safe. We can't lose. So let's go out and do something for God. Let's go out and witness to others. Let's go out and, and serve Him. We can't lose. We are safe in His hands. And no matter what the doctors say, no matter what the dangers are out there, we are safe when? Now and until we see Him. Forevermore. So remember how vulnerable you are. And remember how powerful your God is. And depend upon Him. Let's pray. What a beautiful psalm. And Lord, you know our fears. There are some in this room, Lord, you know what they're worried about right now. Well, we know you're the God that's the creator, but yet we worry about the little things in life. And we forget that you're the one that not only created, but you're the one that can control. You're the God that could shamar, protect us, keep us. You keep our feet when we slip. Lord, it's not a fatal forever slip. Because you never sleep. You never doze off. You're always attentive to our needs. Help us to remember that when we're sitting there worried about something. Help us to remember that, God, that you're attentive to our needs. Help us to remember that you're like the shade on our right hand. You are closer to us than anyone else. You are right there as our protector. And we thank you so much for that. Help us to remember that the dangers in life, like like the images used of the sun and the moon. Lord, you protect us during the day and you protect us at night. And God, help us to remember that we are kept from all evil. Yes, evil may hit us here on this earth, but our souls are safe in your hands. That no matter whatever happens to us here on this earth, nothing can ever separate us from your love and from your purposes for our lives. Thank you for that. God, I pray for each one here that as we leave here, we remember two important things, that we remember just how vulnerable we really are, 
and just how powerful you are. Remind us of how weak we are. We can't without you. Let us cry each day. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. The maker of heaven and earth. The one who made me. The one who will care for me. Thank you for that. We love you and praise you. Thank you for this beautiful psalm. May it live in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you.